You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Glory to God. Good to see you at church today. Jesus Christ is Lord. God is in control. You do not have to be afraid. He is with you. He's always been with you. He loves you and cares about you. Just felt like I needed to say that right now. Everybody knows we're on the same page and what's the goal here. But welcome to everyone who's online, who's tuning in. I pray that God meets you in a special, special way. So let's pray. God, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you for your grace and your love. And, and uh, Jesus, you know, my desire, our desire is just to meet with you. And this, uh, and we're living in this crazy time right now, God, and all of us are processing differently. And one thing we all desire, God, is just to know you more fully. So I pray, God, that you move here in a powerful way. I pray, God, that you take control of this message and, and you be my transcript, Holy Spirit. You lead me. You guide me. Um, we just need you, Lord. You know how I've been working through this all week, God, but it, it just means nothing without you, Lord. I, this is not some sort of report. This is, we want to hear a word from you, God. That's our desire. So would you meet with every soul that's sitting here right now in service and over these next two, two services that we'll do tomorrow as well. And would you meet also with every soul that's watching online? Would you meet with them right where they're at and uh, speak life, speak life, undeniable life. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen, amen. It's good to be at church. I look forward to church. I'll tell you what, I look forward to church. Um, I believe, let me just say this, I believe uh, during this pandemic, I believe a revival will break out. I believe a revival will break out. And I believe... Um, churches and pastors will have more difficult times during this pandemic than any other times as well as Christians. I, I, I was sitting with some pastors a couple of weeks ago from across Denver and we were sitting around a table and one of them said, he was from, from Fountain, Colorado, down south of Colorado Springs, and he shared this scary stat that he heard. And his scary stat was, there's going to be a mass exodus of pastors during this pandemic. That's what he shared. And I get it. I get it because of the times. You have people that stop going to church. If you stop going to church and there's no emotional attachment, eventually you'll just stop giving as well because if you're just watching on video, it'll just be another video eventually. And pastors will be discouraged through this time. Now, having said that, I believe there's another side to all this. I believe God's going to use churches and Christians in miraculous ways, in miraculous ways. And that's my prayer for Thorn Creek and us as those of you who call yourself a follower of Jesus, is that your faith gets stronger during this time. Your roots go deeper during this time. Your time in God's word gets, gets more meaningful and you become, become more focused and you grow stronger during this time because, because the Lord is in all this he will work through all this and it's our job to be faithful just to be faithful and be faithful and see what God does because God is with you turn to the person next to you and just tell them God is with you can you do that if you're online tell someone there God is with you as well 
Hey, we're starting a brand new ministry. Uh, we've been praying and praying, saying, God, what ministries do you want us to start here at Thorn Creek during this pandemic? I believe church is going to look a little bit different. And one of the things that we're going to start is called At Your Place. And uh, we've done this, uh, and, and it's been really, really successful, where we go to someone's house that God leads us to, and we stand on their front yard or front lawn, and we worship and pray with that family. So that's it. That's it. So if you want to be part of this ministry, let us know. If you can't sing, it's okay. There's people around you. Your voice will blend right in. It's okay. But um, we, want to, we want to know that you're interested. You can go to thorncreek.church slash at your place. Thorncreek.church slash at your place. And, and let us know that you want to be part of this ministry. It's, it's extremely, extremely meaningful. On Thursday night, Grace and I took a, took a walk in the dark. You may know Thursday night, there was some rain. Do you remember that Thursday night? If you were up here, did anybody get any rain? We got some rain and we were the only ones walking at night. We got home late. We got home around 10 o'clock at night and we said it was really super late and uh, we just wanted to walk our dog and, and we said, well, let's just go for a walk. So we were like the only ones walking in the street, which is really, really nice. It was like a date. And uh, so we walked around in, in the dark and, and like right around, we were about a mile away from the house. The rain started coming and, and we started coming back, but it was beautiful. There was flashes of lightning. You remember that? There were flashes of lightning, and, and Grace said, you know, hey, hey Ruben, you think we're going to get struck by lightning? I said, yeah, yeah, we probably are. We're going to go to heaven, though. It's okay. And, uh, and she just laughed and laughed. But it's interesting, in the middle of the dark, I see my dog. My dog is like crazy afraid of lightning and this thunder and that kind of thing. He gets really nervous and, and that kind of stuff. But as we were walking, I'm thinking, well, why in the world do we think, oh, my goodness, we might get struck by lightning? Why do we think like that? It was so dark. It was so dark. I did a little research to find out, well, what's the chances of us getting struck? And the odds of being struck by lightning in a given year are one out of 500,000. One out of 500,000. So I'm not saying you need to go out with your fishing pole standing up everywhere, you know, <laughs> but the odds are pretty, pretty small. But why is it in the dark when we're, you know, in this place, why, do, why does our mind go to these places? Have you, have you ever noticed how when you're in the dark, things are a little bit different? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm a chaplain for the Thornton Police Department, and, and one of the things they say is at nighttime, any police officer will tell you nighttime, there's things that happen at night that normally don't happen during the day. People act different at night than during the day. They do. Uh, now, being in the dark, let me just say this. Today's title is this, Why You Don't Have to Be Afraid of the Dark. And being afraid of the dark, it could be a literal sense where the light is off. I get that. But there's also another type of darkness that's kind of covering our land right now, this pandemic. You know, we can't see what's in front of us. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. We don't know what's going to happen to our school system, our work. What, when, when is this going to happen? There's this fear wrapped around the unknown. When we can't see in front of us, we become fearful. We become nervous. And then the thought is, well, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my family? What happens if I come across someone and I get infected? And all these thoughts run through us because we're in this dark time. I want to share with you a story involving the disciples and they were in the dark. 
A lot of, there's some phenomenal stories in the Bible involving darkness. And, and there's a popular one. It's, it's mentioned in three Gospels, and you read about it in Mark chapter 6, Matthew chapter 14, and John chapter 6. It's involving Jesus walking on water. So that's the story I want to look at. But I want to spend special attention here on the time of the night when all of this happened. So here's the backdrop of this, of this story. This miracle actually happens on the heels of feeding the 5,000. So that's important to know because at the end of this story, Jesus talks about the feeding of the 5,000. Again, the feeding of the 5,000 was a phenomenal moment when, when Jesus feeds, you know, literally thousands of people with a few fish, a few loaves. And, and then all of a sudden, he, he kind of shoves them off into the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee, I want you to understand where, where it's at from a geogra geography perspective. Uh, this, the Sea of Galilee is in this Jordan Valley and the mountain range. It rises 4,000 feet above the sea level. The lake itself is 700 feet from the Mediterranean, uh, below the Mediterranean Sea. That's important to know because when the weather there, when, when the cold weather comes down from the mountains, it clashes with the, with the heat, temp, the hot temperatures, and all of a sudden you have these violent storms to just happen over literally in a second. In a second. Let's jump into this, guys. Mark chapter 6, verse 45 says this, immediately, say immediately with me, say immediately. Jesus made his disciples. Did you see that? Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. You know, sometimes if you go too fast in Scripture, you could miss God's Word. And this is setting it up. Jesus makes the disciples get in the boat, and he sends them off without him. And he says, you go, go ahead of me, go, go on. He makes the disciples. And then verse 46 says, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Over and over, you see your Savior take time to get away by himself to pray. It's an incredible thing for us. If, if you have a crazy work week, crazy days or whatever, the most productive thing you can do is to get alone and pray every single day. Verse 47 says this, later that night, the boat, <coughs> the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land later that night. So we don't know exactly what time Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. But the words later that night literally mean it was right around 6 o'clock p.m. 6 o'clock p.m. So just keep that time in your mind. 6 o'clock p.m. Verse 46 says, or excuse me, verse 48 says this. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now, we don't know how far away he was, but Jesus, it's getting dark now, it's after six, and Jesus sees the disciples straining. It literally means to torture, to be harassed or distressed. That's literally what's happening with the disciples. The wind is against them. And I just want to stop right here and say this, Jesus knows when you need him the most. Jesus knows when you need him the most. Sometimes God lets you exert all your strength so you can see how weak you really are. Sometimes God lets you struggle a little bit because he wants you to recognize who he is. He wants you to cry out to him. It pleases God when you cry out to him. And let me say this also. Sometimes we think the easy road is a separate road from the difficult road. 
These are followers of Christ. They drop their nets. They're following Christ. And Jesus says, get in the boat. And he shoves them off. They're being obedient to Christ. And it just so happens they come across this terrible storm and they're struggling in it. Sometimes we think, oh, if, I have, if, I'm, if I'm going through problems, that means I took a wrong turn. Not necessarily. See, God wants to grow you in the darkness as well as in the light. And just because you're going through a valley doesn't, may, may not mean because you took a wrong turn. It may be just part of you growing as a Christian. Your, your faith is challenged. Your theology is challenged. And God wants you to walk with him even in the valley. Even in the valley. In the valley of death. As Psalm 23 talks about. Even in that valley. And they're on this boat and there's a storm. And they are being obedient to Christ. And they find themselves afraid in this storm. And Jesus is watching from a distance. Jesus put these disciples on the boat. And he knew they would run into a storm. He knew it would be difficult. Hear this. Just because you're in a storm doesn't mean you took the wrong turn. It doesn't mean you took the wrong turn. Verse 48 says this. Shortly before dawn... He went out to them. Now, this is the first time he's actually coming out now, walking on the lake. And literally, this time now is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. If you do the math, Jesus left them alone for at least nine hours, watching them struggle, watching them struggle. Sometimes God looks, let us work through our reasoning before he shows up. I like what Beth Moore said. She said this, we want Christ to hurry up and calm the storm. He wants us to find him in the midst of it first. Isn't that good? Sometimes we think, God, deliver me from this storm. But sometimes God says, no, 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 no. I'm making you stronger. I'm not, I'm not going to deliver you right now. I want to see how faithful you're going to be to me. I want to see if you're going to stay in the boat. I want to see if you're going to keep walking by faith. Yeah, God, but I need you to move now because this is going to, I'm going to drown. And God's like, oh, you're not going to drown. You're not going to drown. You might be going through hard times and financially or whatever it is. And God's looking and he's watching you. His timing is perfect. And God just wants to see, are you going to keep walking by faith? Are you going to keep trusting? Even in the midst of the storm, even when that marriage is not where it should be or the kids or the money or whatever it is. And God's looking at you saying, are you going to keep walking by faith? God's a faithful God. He's not going to let you down. He wants to see if you're going to be obedient or do you have, is your obedient conditional? Is your obedience to God conditional on if you get blessings from God? Is your obedience to God conditional with everything going your way? Like you think it should go. So scripture says this, that it was, you know, about nine hours or so. And verse 48 says this, he was about to pass by them. That phrase right there is kind of like what, what, what God did with Moses when he was about to pass by Moses. It doesn't mean he was going to leave them alone. That's not what it means. It says, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a, what church? A ghost. They thought he was a ghost. And they cried out because they all saw him and were, what church? Were that word ghost, you know what it means? A water phantom. A water phantom. In fact, if you look at that word a little bit more, it's associated with Satan. It's a demonic word. So when they, they're in the dark and they're, they're battling and they've been battling for, let's say, nine hours or so, and they see someone walking, not one of them said, that's Jesus. 
All of them, their minds, they're in the dark, they're struggling, they're going through problems, and all of them think the worst. All of them think, oh, this is involving the devil. It's a ghost. It refers to a disembodied individual who died, and it's associated with Satan. I'm going to ask you this question. Why is it when we find ourselves in the dark, we think of negative things? You ever wondered about that? When we find ourselves in the dark, we think of negative things. Whether it's, I'm going to get struck by lightning, or it could be a pandemic, and saying, oh my goodness, this is going to happen to me now, because I don't see everything clearly. I don't know everything. I don't know what's going to happen, so something's going to happen to me. Why do we think about the worst possible situation or scenario? I like why Dwight L. Moody said this. He said, character is what you are in the dark. Think about that a little bit. Who are you in the dark? Who are you in the dark? I like what David said in Psalm chapter 1. He says, I meditate on the word day and night. Day and night night who are you in the dark when you don't know what's going to happen you have you don't understand why it's happening and maybe you're on your virtual boat or whatever it is and you're in the dark and you're afraid or whatever it is who are you that's who you really are have you ever worked for a fearful boss or have you ever had a relationship with a fearful friend they're always afraid that something might happen and, and, and it seems like they never enjoy the present because they're always fearful of the what if. The reason why they didn't recognize Jesus is because they weren't looking for Jesus. They weren't looking for him. It didn't dawn on them that day and night are the same to our God. I like what Psalm 139 says. David says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For God, it doesn't matter. It's the same. And in the Bible, there's this spiritual darkness that affects our ability to see Jesus. Luke chapter 1 talks about it a little bit. It says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light, it's referring to Jesus, to give light to those who sit in darkness. Sit in darkness. He, this is spiritual talk for someone who does not know God. This is spiritual talk for someone who does not know Jesus. They sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Ephesians, Paul the Apostle says it like this, and describing someone who's far from God or doesn't have any desire to know God, says this, their minds are full of darkness. They wonder far from the life God has, has gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So this is someone whose mind is spiritually dark. Their minds are full of darkness. That's why it's not a surprise in John chapter 8, one of the I am's, Jesus says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, the essence of the gospel is God brings light to darkness. That's the whole gospel. He brings light to spiritual darkness. He desires you to know him. Do you remember, those of you who call yourself a Christian, do you remember the day that you became aware that God was real? 
You remember that day? Do you remember the day when Jesus became more than a historical figure in your life? Do you remember the day when he became your all in all, where nothing else mattered? Do you, do you have a day like that, where all of a sudden you, you're like living in this place of spiritual darkness, and all of a sudden God shines his light, and you see Christ for who he is, and everything else just kind of falls in order? Do you remember that day? Look at this story. Verse 50 said this, they all saw him and were terrified. It's interesting. It doesn't say they all saw Jesus and they were like, "Woo! thank God it's Jesus. And none of that. They were all terrified. Darkness was over them and consuming them. Stephen Williams said it like this, fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. For fear frequently blinds the eyes to the presence of the Lord. Fear and faith can't live together. Your fear will predetermine what you see. For these disciples, they're on the boat and they see something walking and fear grips their heart. It's like they go back to their old days and they think, oh my, it's a, it's a water phantom. It's something demonic. It's coming at us. And it never dawns on them that it's Jesus. Fear grips their heart. It's our human nature, incidentally, to fear the dark. It's our human nature to fear the unknown, to fear what we can't see, to fear for our lives. Let me ask you this right now. Do you see Jesus or do you see a virus right now? What's clear to you? Do you see Jesus or do you see a virus? What's feeding your faith? What's feeding your fear? Look what Jesus said. Immediately he spoke up to them. He recognized their hearts and he says this, Take courage. Let's read it out loud, guys. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. There it is. Don't be afraid. You find this phrase, don't be afraid or do not fear, 365 plus times in the Bible. This one's a little bit different. You know what it, that literally means in the Greek language? It literally means this. Stop fearing. It's just like Jesus is like, you know, Stop right now. Just stop fearing. You don't have to be afraid. And he's saying this incidentally in the midst of the storm. In the midst of darkness at 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Somewhere in there, it is dark. And Jesus says, stop fearing. Somebody needs to hear that tonight or on video. Stop fearing. Recognize what's happening. They're in the will of God. They're following Christ. Reminds me of the words of the prophet Isaiah. He says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. There's the disciples. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I see that word surely. You know what I see? I see the love of God. God loves you. So why are you fearful? God knows the desires of your heart, so why are you afraid? God has your life in his hands. Surely, he's going to watch over you. You have nothing to fear. There's darkness in this pandemic all around it. And fear and darkness go together. Incidentally, fear and reason do not go together. Fear and reason do not go together. The disciples are looking at Jesus and they're thinking it's a ghost. They're terrified. They're afraid. And same thing in our pandemic right now. Fear and reason don't go together at all. And you know it. 
When you talk to some people and some people will say, well, I'm okay in this pandemic to be with these people, but I'm not okay to be with these people. And you might be scratching your head and thinking, what's the difference? Sometimes we just think if they're strangers, they have the virus. If they're my friends, then they're okay. Really? Why is it that we think like there's no reason to it? I can go to a grocery store, but I can't go over here, or I can go to whatever it is in our minds we reason through, and there's no logic. There's no consistency. Not at all. So we just love people. That's what we do, church. Everybody's working through this on their own, and we just pray for them, and we love them. I wear a mask because I love people. That's it. I just love them, and I'm, I'm, I know God's going to work everything out. God does some of his, you got to hear this, guys. God does some of his best work in the dark. Sometimes we think, like if it's dark, there's this, there's this curtain of fear that just covers everything. And our imagination, if you're a, a person with a great imagination and you're a creative person, you've got like 50 different scenarios that's going to happen in the dark. But, you, you know, you just think like that. But I want to show you something. Exodus chapter 14. This is a time when the Israelites were fleeing Egypt and God was going before them and, and Pharaoh was chasing them and God was using Moses. Here it is, verse 19. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps as darkness fell. As darkness fell fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all, when church, all, check this out, hold on, hold on. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. Here it is. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. Isn't that beautiful? In the middle of darkness, the wind blew all night. The Israelites were camped down and they were gripped by fear, but it was in the middle of darkness, God was sending his wind. He was drying up that seabed because he was preparing the way for the Israelites to cross over, cross over that red sea. He was preparing them and the Israelites were not aware of that. Throughout scripture, you see God does his best work at night. In the beginning, it was dark and he said, let there be light. When God spoke to Abraham about a promise, he said, come outside in the middle of the night and I want you to see and try to count all those stars. It was in the dark. God said, I have a lesson for you in the dark. When God spoke to Joseph about his future and the future tribes and he had this dream and he goes and tells dad, God speaks to Joseph in the dark. When Nebuchadnezzar has a dream about empires, it's in the dark. When Mother Mary is told about the Savior, it was in the dark. When Nicodemus is afraid of the light and he's afraid of what other people might think about him, he goes to Jesus in the dark. He goes, talks to him. When Lazarus was in the tomb for four days and it's dark, 
the Lord of Lords, the resurrection and the life come to him and say, Lazarus, come forth. It was in the dark. Over and over, you see this. See, you don't have to be afraid because God is at work in the dark. The most beautiful things about life, the birth of a child, where does it happen? Where does it begin? It's in a dark place in a mother's womb that nobody sees and God is working in the dark and shaping this life, to bringing this life out. It's all happening in the dark. John chapter 12 reminds me also, says it's very, very, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. So this is describing a life. And it's this idea of you've got to die to yourself if you want to know God's purpose for your life. And this illustration talks about a seed getting buried beneath the ground in the dark. Nobody sees this seed, but there's something happening underground, under the surface. That's what happens when you let God get a hold of your life. God goes in the dark places of your thoughts and your heart, and he starts to work there. And not everyone sees what's happening because it's seemingly in the dark. It's underground. But God is stirring your heart. He's wooing you to come back to him. He's reaching out to you before you take another swig or whatever it is. And he's reaching out to you, and he's saying, no, 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 there's a better life. And he starts reaching out to you in that dark place. Aren't you glad you have a God who's willing to go to the dark places. He's willing to go where you're at, and he's willing to do that. And it's in that dark place when it's underground. Nobody sees, but what comes out is the product, the result of what happened below the ground. What comes out is a repentant heart, a heart fully devoted to God because something happened below the surface of the ground. You know what I'm talking about? We all have that dark place. Sometimes we don't share that dark place with our husband, our wife, our children, our family, but there's a dark place inside of us. What's going on in there? God wants to invade that dark place. He wants to invade that dark place. The, God does his best work in the dark. Don't you find it interesting? I'm like, when, no, when we look at this story, nobody knows what Jesus was doing. He's walking around for like nine hours. It's like, what is he doing out there? Why did he not join them earlier? We don't know what he was doing. I don't think he was fishing or swimming or anything like that. I, for whatever, he was maybe spending time with the Father. But he's watching. It's darkness. But for Jesus, light and darkness doesn't matter. And he recognizes the human nature, the human condition. I want you to hear this. You can boldly say, you can boldly say because who, who Christ is and because God, he's light, he's over light, he's over darkness, it doesn't matter. You can boldly say, my God is with me. I will keep walking by faith. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus even in this pandemic, even during this dark time. God is at work. God is moving. I'm going to trust him even though I don't see everything that's happening, but he's blowing, he's just creating dry ground, and I don't even know it. He is moving, and I'm going to trust him. I will not be afraid. You can boldly say that. You can put your heart in God, and you can say that. See, God is working in the middle of the pandemic. It may be a time of unknowns. It may feel like it's a time of fear, but you don't have to be afraid because Jesus is at work. He's at work. God does some of his best work when everyone else is afraid. He does some of his best work. 
And you look at this story. The story says this. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. See, he goes back to the feeding of the 5,000. See, Jesus gets in the boat and he's thinking, why are you guys nervous? Why are you afraid? You've graduated from preschool already. You should be, you know, you, you should be farther along. Why are you afraid in the dark time? You look back at what God has done in your life. Has not he been faithful? Has he not delivered you from so much? Has he not watched over you? God looks at you and he says, you know better. You know better. And Jesus actually says, and he says their hearts were hardened. They did not learn from the fish and the loaves. They didn't learn. Let me ask you a question this way. What could you have been a part of if you had a little more courage? What could you have been a part of? You know, we had, um, over the summer, we had about 18 college students come and invade our house every Monday. They showed up at 4 o'clock, and they would leave at literally at 3 in the morning. And they spent two hours going through the book of Revelation. They ate our food, and then they went through the Revelation. I'm saying all that to be silly, but I really loved it. We really loved it. Loved having them, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful time of worship, singing in the living room. It was a beautiful time of worship. <clears throat> and some of the college students have come to me right before. Some of them have left, and they've come, and they said, they said, Pastor Reuben, thank you for opening up your home. They thank Grace, too. And they said, we, we've learned so much. We're reading the Bible in a way we never have before. One of them said, I've learned to read the Bible analytically. That's, what, that's the word she used. I've learned to study the Bible in a way I've never studied it before. And, and my wife, Grace, told me just a f- couple of weeks ago, she said, Reuben, what would have happened if we were too afraid to open up our home? And I thought about that. And I thought that would have been a missed blessing. There were a lot of lives that were impacted because of that. And now there are missionaries on campuses all across the nation. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know what my heart and prayer is? That when I see Paul the Apostle in heaven, and he comes up to me, I want to get like a high five from Paul the Apostle that says, way to walk by faith during that pandemic. I want to get like a fist bump or something from Paul the Apostle that says, way to go, way to walk by faith during this pandemic. When I read the book of Acts, and you read about them, guess what? Part of their life, there's always trouble, there's illness, there's danger of death, there's slander, there's all kinds of stuff, and it just kind of coexists with them. It's normal. Our problem is we've become so comfortable We've done our best to control everything. And we've become so comfortable. I believe God's going to use this to humble people. What a great thing that we are aware of life and death. Praise the Lord for that. What a great thing that we're aware that we're not invincible. That's a good thing. We need God. We've always needed God. When you look at this story, it says this. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. 
and all who touched it were healed. Glory to God. Do you know God is still in the business of healing? Jesus is still in the business of healing. It's our job to cry out to God. If you don't cry out to God, you may be missing out on a blessing. God could use you. He can use you to heal and touch someone else. It's our responsibility to cry out to God. And it's not always about what's convenient for us. I believe when we, when we get out of our convenience and we do things uncomfortable and we cry out to God, I believe that stirs the heart of God. We've been praying for, for Johnny. He's, he was at the, at the hospital at, at Good Samaritan in intensive care. And last Sunday, many people from your church went there and prayed for them. God, you can put your hands together. This church believes in the power of prayer. This church believes in the power of prayer. Let me ask you this way. If you were the one in the hospital, would you appreciate your church praying for you? Absolutely, right? Let me just tell you how God moved. Johnny is at home right now, recovering right now. Hallelujah, Lord. I can start crying right now, God. If I just let the guys, if I let it go, I'll just start weeping in front of you and I'll be a mess. But I want you to know God heard your prayer. God heard your prayer. God is in the business of healing. He shared the full story with me and it's mind blowing. I want to have Johnny share that story here at church one day. This is the first time he's hearing about it. So Johnny, plan on it. Start writing it down. But I want to have him do that because I want you to know God is still in the business of healing. We're in a dark time, but you can walk by faith. 
You can walk by faith. You can trust God. This world needs to see what it looks like to walk by faith and not by sight. This world needs to see courage when everyone else is afraid. This world needs to see what it looks like when a church comes together and say, now we're going to be strong in the name of the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to do things that only God can do if he were with us. We're going to do the impossible with God. This world needs to see that kind of faith. And we're in a position to do that. This is going to be a ministry of ours, guys, where we're going to go to hospitals and we're going to pray for people who have COVID and we're going to pray over them in the name of Jesus Christ to get well. In the name of Jesus Christ. Guys, this is a legit miracle. It's a legit miracle. God is good. Lord, we worship you. We thank you. We thank you for your grace and your love. God, I'm so grateful that you're a God who's not intimidated by darkness. You're, Jesus, you're the Savior who walks on water in the darkness. I'm so grateful, God, that you called us to be light in darkness. Would you have your way? Maybe you need to say this prayer right where you're seated or right where you're at. Maybe you're watching this on video. Maybe you need to say this. Jesus, help me to see you more than the virus. Help me to walk by faith. Help me to trust you. I will do whatever you want me to do, God. I want to live with courage, God. Would you have your way? Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here. Bless those who are giving as well, Lord. Those who are giving online and in person who are honoring you with their tithe and their offering. Lord, may your church become stronger during this pandemic. May your church grow and may your kingdom increase because of the saints at your church. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of the church said. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.